Oh man, it's good to see you, and uh, we have, it's good to see a lot of our college kids back, um, finished up their semester, and we had graduation yesterday for RRCA right here, and this week we've got graduations, and so summer is upon us uh, really quickly, but uh I love, I love our kids being able to go to kids' church, but I love them being able to worship with you. That's incredibly important, and I hope you know the importance of that right there. If you have your Bibles, I, wanna, I want you to turn with me to Genesis 32. If you're new to the Scriptures or new uh, to the things of the Lord, Genesis is the first book in the, in the Bible. And uh, we're going to be looking at it in just a moment in chapter 32. Last week, we kind of started a series, uh, uh, I'm calling it Finishing Strong. And last week we talked about Solomon, how that Solomon's heart got led astray, which kept him from finishing strong. And today, I want us to look at Jacob, uh, another uh, figure in the Old Testament, and how God use specific things to uh, get his attention so that he could finish strong. And we're going to look at that today as well. Sometimes people wonder what I mean by finish strong because um, you can finish and not finish strong or you cannot finish at all. And, uh, and so what are we talking about? So here, let me give you a, a quick thought. To finish strong doesn't mean you finish first. I, we watched the Kentucky Derby uh, a couple of weeks ago and saw an incredible horse uh, that was no, not even supposed to be in the field have an incredible finish, and they won. I'm not talking about the kick at the end of a run that puts you in the lead. That's not what I'm talking about, because some of you will finish with a limp, some of you will finish uh, uh, fine, but to finish strong, I mean to live a life that fulfills the purpose for why your creator made you, okay? So to finish strong doesn't mean you're at the front of the pack, it just means that you're fulfilling what God has for you in the midst of a life, and that that's why you exist on this planet, you you don't exist to just take up space, to just get married, to have a career, to have kids. That's not why you exist. You exist for the purpose in the heart of your creator. And uh, so we're going to be continuing to talk about how do we finish strong? How do we fulfill that purpose in the, in the long haul? And, and last week with Solomon, I made the comment, and this is very important, you don't make the decisions on how you're going to finish when you see the finish line. You make decisions now that will enable you to be strong when you come to the finish line. Now, uh, my son and I, when he was little, he grew up, uh, he's 39 now, so we're going back in time a little bit. We, when he was growing up, we were really big fans at that time. They called it WWF. And it evolved into WWE. So for some of you that don't know what that means, it was the World Wrestling Federation back in those days. 
And every time they came to the Austin area, we would get tickets, we would go watch them. We were really into it. And uh, uh, wrestlers in that day were like the ultimate warrior, right? Uh, the ultimate warrior. Uh, you had uh, Randy Macho Man Savage, and uh, then you had Andre the Giant. But you gotta, we had to admit that our favorite back during that time, that particular time, was Hulk Hogan. Man, it couldn't help but to be Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, during that part, uh, I hate that WWE has got so risque and filthy that a kid can't watch it anymore. Back in those days, it was very comic bookish and, and uh, almost innocent, except when you hear the behind-the-scenes stuff. But Hulk Hogan would be out there, and he, you know, Hulkamaniac. Man, he's huge, but he'd get in a fight, and uh, man, he's, he's down. You think, this is it. This is it. He's going to be pinned. And all of a sudden, that hand would go up with one finger that was about the size of uh, your leg. And, and he, he starts shaking that finger. And the next thing you know, man, he's going he's gonna to take whoever, uh, uh, whoever it is that's going up against him, eventually be a leg drop, and it's all over at that point. You know, uh, life has mis many wrestling moments. Now, I... I I, I, I share truth with you. Wrestling is choreographed. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say it ain't so. I'm sorry, guys. That, that's a truth be, behind everything on the internet is true. But, uh, but, you know, when we get into life, We've got, uh, we've got things that we wrestle with all through life. And uh, they, some of them, are they, are they choreographed? Are they meant for us to go uh, live that out and wrestle? You know, God is big. And so I don't know what always is on his heart as mine when he allows us to go through that. But I do know, I do know that we have a loving Father that wants us close to Him and to fulfill His purpose. And we look at Jacob today, and, and I want to read uh, Jacob, Genesis 32, and, and see this wrestling match out of the life of Jacob, and then I want to parallel it with us a little bit, and maybe what God has for us. So Genesis chapter 32, beginning with verse 22, and uh, then I want to, after I read it, I'm going to unpack some background that will let you, let you see what God is doing here behind the scenes. So, here we go. The same night, he, being Jacob, arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children. That's dysfunctional. Uh, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. Note that. We'll come back and, and deal with that in a minute. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. 
when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. I'd like to deal in-depthly with verse 32 this morning. No, that, that is not true. But I want to look at this wrestling encounter Jacob had. Let me give you just a little bit of background for you that are new to the Scriptures. The, the term Jacob is the term deceiver, or actually it's a term called heel grabber, which translates into the word deceiver. But let me give you some background. Jacob was a deceiver, and he was a wrestler all throughout his life. In fact, he wrestled within his mom's womb because he had a twin brother right there. In their older age, Isaac and Rebekah, Rebekah was with child. She was with child with two in her womb. They wrestled in there, and scriptures tell us in Esau, was born first. And the firstborn had a birthright, which was very important. So Esau was born first, and Jacob came out actually grabbing the heel of his brother when they were born. Uh, don't you wish the, you would have had twins just like we have? Don't you wish that it was that easy? That other one came out that quickly. But, uh, but so... They named him heel grabber or deceiver. And uh, Jacob was going to live up to his name. He was, uh, he was a deceiver. He uh, deceived Esau out of the birthright with the help of his mother who played along with the deception. They deceived Isaac out of the blessing that should have went to Esau. He, he blessed uh, uh, Isaac. Uh, Isaac blessed Jacob. And Jacob knew he needed to run from his brother, so he went to his uncle Laban, and he tried to deceive his uncle Laban, which he did. He, he deceived him out of many herds of sheep that uh, he was blessed with. But if you live as a deceiver, then you get deceived sometimes. So Laban deceived Jacob because Jacob was working for him so he could marry his daughter Rachel. But what uh, Laban did is he said, you got to marry the first one, firstborn first, and then we'll throw in the secondborn. So he got Leah and he got Rachel too in that. So there was deception right there. Deception went on in that 
Leah started having children. Rachel could not have children. So Rachel decided, I'm going to give you my handmaid and you can have children through her. So Jacob said, yeah. And uh, he, he had children through uh, the handmaid. And so uh, Leah's not, no longer having children. So she said, hey, here's my handmaid. And so Jacob, Jacob does, uh, has children through this other handmaid. Eventually, Rachel is going to have a, a child, Joseph, and another one, Benjamin, she's going to die in that childbirth. But listen, there is deception all in the home. You, you got to be careful when you cling to deception, it just becomes part of your life. And that's what happened with Jacob. So uh, here's this entourage that the scriptures say he's going back towards home and uh, he knows he's going to have to confront his brother Esau, who he ticked off many years earlier. He, he's just sure that Esau is going to try to kill him. And that's his plan. So what happens is he has all this entourage that's coming. Now, Jacob, his whole life has been wrestling matches. He wrestled in the womb. He wrestled uh, for his birthright. He wrestled with Laban. He wrestled with this dysfunctional family. And he, now he's wrestling within himself as he's coming to this point. And notice he sends uh, the uh, herds his servants, and even his family on a cross where he's going to confront Esau. But he's sending these herds and he's sending these servants to try, and then even sending the kids, maybe I can pacify and deceive Esau one more time that he will accept me. But this is where we come to the point where Jacob was alone, and that is a key thing. Because I think, I think that Jacob, who had wrestled and ran many times in his life, I think he was thinking about running one more time. And this is just stuff. I'll send that on to Esau, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about running myself. Now, God had a plan. When you think you're going to run from God, you're going to run into him, I promise you. So, and, and I'm talking to the choir here, but many of you have uh, times in your life where you try to run from God and you ran into him. Jacob is going to run into God. And so what we have is we have this encounter where Jacob wrestles with a man, the scripture says. This was a theophany or Christophany or however you want to say it. It was actually, he was wrestling with a man, but it was God's way of revealing himself to him because the blessing comes, and that is what is taking place. Now, it's interesting in the story because we think, okay, if he's wrestling with God, then he, it sounds like it was a standoff here is what was taking place. No, that's not what was happening. When you look at the story, I have two grandsons. Ever since they were little, we would wrestle. Listen, I could, I could take them anytime. 
I, I, I'm honest about that. But we would, we would, uh, you know, I would let them pin me and, and that kind of stuff. But I, I'm telling you, I could, I could wipe them out at any moment. But I chose not to. Because you look at what God did here. He eventually just touched, maybe there was more than a touch, but the scriptures said he just touched Jacob's hip, put it out of joint, and the rest of his life he had a limp. So it's, you can't say it was even. God allowed it to be even. I think, I think there was a purpose even behind that because he says, you got to let me go. It, it, remember Jesus when he rose from the dead? And Mary uh, just is grabbing him, and he says, you got to let me go. And I think it's part of that kind of thinking as well. But I want to look at this wrestling encounter, and I want you and I to look at our lives a little bit in this. So there's going to be three main thoughts that I want to uh, get across to you that will be on the screen. The first one is this, is that, Jacob was going to have to wrestle with himself if God was going to use him. Jacob was going to have to wrestle with himself if God was going to use him. In other words, he was going to have to see himself for how he really was. Notice what happens. He says, what is your name? And uh, he had to answer I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. He was going to have to look within himself. You know, all of us looked in a mirror today. We, we looked in the mirror. We combed our hair. We washed our face, whatever. You ladies put on your makeup. You looked in that mirror, and it told you about the exterior, about what you looked at. But when you face God in a, an encounter like this, you've got to see for who you really are. Because you're in the presence of one that is holy. And, and in that moment, uh, Jacob had to say, listen, I'm the deceiver. I've been a deceiver my whole life. And that's what he was confronted with. You know, just think about it just a minute. Because you know the hidden areas of your life. If God were to say, who are you really? Maybe you would say, I'm... I'm I'm one that is lazy. I'm one that is prideful. I'm one that uh, is lustful. You know, what would your name be? I mean, you, you struggle with that when he asks you who you really are. But Jacob wasn't ready to be used until God gave him a limp. When he put his hip out of joint, he was ready to be used. And here's my thought, still under thought one. God may have to injure you before he can use you. You know, you think about it. When everything is going smooth and all your bills are being paid and your job, you just keep going up and up and up, your health is fine, how much do you think about God at that point? Well, Maybe you have a grateful heart. Maybe you're grateful unto God, but it's not that way. I've never talked with a man who has not gotten a pink slip or got laid off from his work who is not pursuing Christ. 
and to, to seek God at that point. God may have to injure you and give you a limp before he can use you. And that's the way Jacob was. Until Jacob could understand that it wasn't about him, God had a much bigger picture that he was having a whole group of people, the children of Israel, the Jewish nation would come out of that. They would eventually be down into Egypt, and then they would spend 400 years in slavery. They would be delivered by Moses, and then what would happen is Jesus would eventually come out of that. So you see this wrestling match wasn't necessarily about Jacob just being Jacob. It was God preparing Jacob to bring his son out of that lineage. You see, it's so much bigger than you and I. And God may have to give you a limp before he can use you. In his weakness, in your weakness, his strength is perfected, is what Paul says. So maybe we need to look at it that way. Here's the second thought. Jacob needed a name change. He lived up to deceiver. I mean, he'd been given that title and he lived it out royally. But he had to confess it and face it. You know, in the scriptures, anytime there was a name change, there was a character change that came with it. Saul became Paul after his Damascus Road experience. Simon became Peter. There was a guy in the book of Acts, his name was Joseph. He became known as Barnabas, the encourager. You see, anytime there was a name change in Scripture, there was a character change. What God is doing here with Jacob is he's transforming his character. He was said, you're no longer going to be the deceiver, but now you're going to be Israel. Well, what does Israel mean? Well, it's literally one who strives with God. But I love what G. Campbell Morgan said. He said, literally, Israel means a God-mastered man. I love that. You are no longer going to be the trickster deceiver, but you're going to be a God-mastered man, and God is going to be able to use you. And transformation came in his life. Transformation. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he said, do not, basically in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, we must be born again, is what the scripture says. And, but many times we are like a caterpillar. And we take that caterpillar, knowing that caterpillar is meant to be a butterfly, but we take the caterpillar and we glue wings on it, or we uh, staple wings on it or whatever, and we throw it in the air and say, oh, it's a butterfly, because caterpillars are meant to be butterflies. No, there must be a transforming process that comes in before that caterpillar becomes a butterfly. And you and I, we, we can do things on the outside. We can do things, but God, through His Holy Spirit, desires to transform us and work from the inside out. So think about it. Think about how God has transformed you. And I love what it says in the Scripture that a new day came. 
Man, I love that. I love that new days come in the presence of God. And He transforms. I, I want to read you a poem. It, uh, it's by a lady by the name of Myra Brooks Welch. Some of you may have heard it before, but let me read it to you. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. "'When am I bid, good folk,' he cried, "'who'll start the bidding for me? "'A dollar, a dollar, now two, only two, two dollars, who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening up the strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as sweet as an angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? as he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two, two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, and three thousand twice. Three thousand and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some exclaimed, we do not quite understand what changed its worth. And the answer came, "Twas the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with soul out of tune and battered and scarred by sin is auctioned cheap by the thoughtless crowd just like the old violin. But the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. O master, I am the tuneless one. Lay, lay thy hand on me. Transforming now, put a song in my heart, O melody, Lord, to thee. Isn't that great? The touch of the master's hand. That's what Jacob went under. You know, sometimes we wish it was a delicate touch, but he had the touch of the master's hand, and that made all the difference. Here's the third point that I want you to get. When you have a true God encounter, you will be changed. Let me read that one more time. When you have a true God encounter, you will be changed. Notice the scriptures that Jacob knew he had wrestled with God, and God did not wipe him out. And so he called the place Peniel, and that means face to face, face of God, basically. You remember Moses wanted to see God in the Old Testament and, and, and God told Moses that if you see me, you will die. And uh, so that was the thought process. If God shows up, I'm going to die. I, listen, we've lost the awe of God. We've lost the awe of God. And, and I, hear me on this. We want a little bit of God, but we really don't want to see God. I, I, I feel. I feel like we d just do not really want a face-to-face -face 
encounter with God. Here's why. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer, and, and this is what I pray. You know my heart well enough. I pray so hard for a move of God. I really do. God, just come, shake us, wake us, do whatever we can so that we are the real deal. I, I want to be the real deal. And I don't, I don't want to be fake. I don't want to, uh, I was praying with Dan and Ed up here, and the Lord just reminded me, I don't want to be a form of religion and deny the power thereof. I, I want God to just come, and I think, and God, why can you not do it May 2022? Just come and, and do a great work. But I, there's a part of me that says, do you really want to encounter the Holy God? Because when you encounter God, there is going to be change. First of all, there is going to be a, a revealing that we have to deal with the sin in our life. We've got to deal with hidden areas in our life. We've got to do it. When God comes in His holiness and shines that incredible light on us, we've got to deal with the impurity in our own life. And I know, I know, Mark... But the grace of God has washed all that stuff out. I agree. I agree. But you know, I live in this earth suit. I know what's in there. And I know that when you encounter a holy God, one of the things about revival is having to deal with a hidden area. Here's the second thing. When you come face to face with God, it will change your course. You know, we got it all figured out. Okay, God, I've got a career. I've got the schools picked out for my kids. I got it all together. God, this is it. But then you encounter God in a holy way, and he says, I need to change your course. If you're going to finish strong, I, want, I need you to change your course. Here's a third thought. I can't blame others. When I'm in the presence of a holy God. You know, it's easy to blame others and, and to compare to others. But we see ourselves for how we really are. And then fourthly, in the face-to-face -face encounter with God, it's like sandpaper that he takes to my soul. It's rough but he's taken away the rough edges to prepare me to use me. You see, Jacob wasn't ready to be used until he got a limp. And uh, we don't like that. Tough times often come in a preparation. A.W. Tozier said this, he's one of my favorite reads. The Lord cannot fully bless a man until he at first conquers him. I want to wrap this up. We live in a day. I love you folks. And, and, and I know, I want to be an encouragement to you. But I want to be truthful. You know, when the Holy God shows up, you know, we got to deal with that. 
But I want to be a comfort to you because he's given us his Holy Spirit as a comfort and to grow us up and to develop us. But you know as well as I do, when we take the scales off our eyes, we see and we live in a day where Christian marriages are falling apart. We see we live in a day where people that grew up in the church are walking away. We, we live in a day where we're not seeing the radical encounter, life changes that we desire to see. And, and are we willing to come and say, God, meet with us, wrestle with us, so that your will will be done, and we finish strong? Does that make sense? I, I hope it does, because, you know, I... I pray that in my own life and then I find certain days that it, the flesh is just taking over way too much but I, I today want to pray over us that God make yourself so real to us that we can't help but follow you so I want you to bow your heads with me